All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 21st day of 2020. 21st day, I should say, of July 2020. Um, Before I talk more about today's show, I do want to remind you I'm the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to that by going to miningstocks.com. Miningstocks.com, we'd like to put in a plug for Chen Lin as well, our buddy Chen Lin, who uh, publishes What is Chen Buying, What is Chen Selling. Chenpicks.com is the place to go for that uh, as well. And Michael Oliver, who's not with us today, but I know he's a favorite on this show, it's olivermsa.com. And we do want to thank all of you for listening, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. And we want to encourage you to continue sending along whatever your comments are about this show, positive or negative or whatever. Send them along to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, questions the number for gmail.com. And I also uh, must thank our sponsors because without them, there would be no show. Our sponsors for today's show, Great Bear Resources, Benchmark Metals, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, and Sitka Gold Corp. Well, with the Western monetary system sitting on the edge of the abyss, uh, it certainly is time to own gold and silver. Arguably, you should have been buying it all along because if you wait too much longer, it may be out of reach for a lot of people. In fact, we're seeing the price of silver up 6.82% today uh, to 21.23 on the bid. So the metals are really starting to move. There is your growing need... uh, Investors are feeling a growing need, and we're hearing that from investors, uh, to own the metals and also the metals shares, which are really uh, taking off as well. Now, last week after listening to uh, Michael Oliver, I realized that I needed a bit more silver in my portfolio, so I I did go out and buy an ETF, uh, just a quick and easy way to get more silver in my portfolio, SLVP, uh, trades on the New York Exchange, and it's up 11% in just a few days. So that gives you an idea that it's time to get moving in the shares and, and to own them uh, and own the good ones. Um, because of the growing numbers of people not used to investing in gold, I mean, certainly gold and silver is not what most people are buying in America anyway. And I, as I noticed, as I noted last week, our son Scott and I are planning to provide a course for investors as soon as we can possibly put it together. It will be an online course that you can access for a fee Several of you have indicated an interest last week, but we will need to hear from more of you before uh, it makes economic sense for us to to work to put this together. But we do want to get moving on it quick because the metals are moving. Uh, Today is a great example of of a real strong bull market in the precious metals. So if you are interested uh, in a course like that, 
Register your interest by going to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questions the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Just let us know. Give us your email. Let us know if you're interested. We'll fill you in with details later. No obligation, of course, but we do need an indication of interest. I've titled today's show Common Sense 2.0. Bob Moriarty returns as my guest for today's show. Common Sense was a pamphlet written by Thomas Paine in 1775, 1776, in that time frame, that fired up members of the original 13 colonies in America to fight for independence from Great Britain. Paine marshaled moral and political arguments to encourage common people in the colonies to fight for an egalitarian government. Well, as a 73-year-old who attended public school, grade school in Dalton, Ohio, during the Eisenhower years, I have seen a massive change in our country, some of it for the better, like the civil rights laws, I would argue, very much uh, needed, uh, but much of it not for the better. We've seen the United States military-industrial complex uh, basically, I think, gain tremendous control of our election process, of our political system. Eisenhower warned us about that back when he was leaving office. Um, and we've seen this a military-industrial complex make enemies overseas. Uh, we, have, uh, we have killed untold innocent human beings with our bombs, and we have been involved in constant regime changes, many times uh, regimes that were in perhaps elected by the people. But uh, for one reason or another, we have been involved in uh, endless wars uh, overseas. And, um, you know, as Ron Paul suggested, not um, a very popular view for sure, but he suggested back in uh, 2000, uh, back at 9-11, that the reason they came over here was because we were over there. So there's many things that I think uh, are not good about what's happened in America. There are some that are good. Um, most egregious in my mind uh, is the loss, of the, obviously the erosion of our First Amendment rights and increasingly it seems a threat to our Second Amendment rights, the right to bear arms. So those two amendments are arguably uh, two of the most important and basic rights granted to every American. The right to speak freely, especially if your views are of a minority nature, it's important that minorities can speak. Uh, and the right to bear arms, of course, uh, a very basic American right. Uh, and now we know, thanks to Edward Snowden, uh, that our government itself, um, you know, one of the reasons for the Second Amendment was to protect the citizens against their government. Well, that's almost heresy to say that, but we know from what Ed Edward Snowden told us that, in fact, our government is spying on us. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's plenty of evidence that has come out of recent uh, investigations that uh, President Trump was spied on by the CIA and the FBI. So it seems as though no longer any of us are safe from, the, uh, from our government, our government's ability to spy on us and basically to cause a lot of trouble. This would have certainly made our founding fathers extremely unhappy if they were aware of what was to come in the future. So we, we do have a lot that needs to be, I think, uh, a lot of things to be concerned about. And uh, so an author, uh, you know, I should, would just point out that back in 1776, of course, we had our, we didn't have our freedom. Our, our um, uh, the people that lived in the colonies were, uh, were subject to tyranny uh, by King George uh, and they really wanted to have their freedom. They were looking for freedom. Uh, and uh, so uh, along comes Thomas Paine, who wrote Common Sense 1.0, that inspired Americans to risk their lives to fight uh, for the God-given rights they believed that we have. 
uh, that we are supposed to have anyway. Now someone we don't know who has written Common Sense 2.0 to fit the current threat to our freedom as American citizens from an enemy from within this time. And a friend of mine who understands the intent of our founding fathers and what is required for liberty and justice for all is Bob Moriarty. And uh, when I was talking to Bob a few weeks back, he brought to my attention a booklet titled Common Sense 2.0. Because uh, because Bob believes this book is so important, uh, he called it to my attention and he uh, asked if he could have uh, the ability to come on the show and talk about it and to review it for us. Uh, for uh, He has spent time reading it, studying it, and he's going to talk to us about that. So, Bob, I'm really glad that you could join us today. You are a person that has certainly done a lot for your country. At least you thought you were doing a lot of good things for your country as a young man. You flew 832 combat missions in Vietnam, uh, and so it just seems fitting to have someone from your perspective uh, to come on today to talk about uh, to talk about uh, Common Sense 2.0. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always good to hear from you, Bob. And you know, first of all, I want to I want to note. I believe that you're living in France right now. You're not in the United States, is that right? And if if so, why have you chosen? There's a lot of beautiful places to live in America. Um, why France? Well, uh, it's interesting to say that. Uh, I literally can't leave because I can't come back. The, the, what, what Trump and the Democrats have done with the COVID has made Americans uh, persona non grata. And, and you can't come to Europe if you're an American. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I should be going out on site visits, and I can't do that because as soon as I leave France, I come can't come back in the EU. But I've got a place here in the mountains, in the Pyrenees. I do my writing here, and, and I love it. Yeah, it's a beautiful environment from what I can see. Uh, yeah, I mean, they really have uh, locked us down. And I know that as uh, in your analysis of, of mining companies, uh, you do an excellent job and you go on site very many times uh, and travel long distances uh, to, uh, to visit places. So you must really be missing that, I guess, huh? Well, I don't yes know. No? Okay, <laughs> that's a really good question. I, I used to travel three weeks a month. It, 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 it was pretty hard. I, I learned a lot, but I, I was gone a lot, and I rather enjoy doing a lot less traveling now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, Trump and and the Republicans and the Democrats have no idea what they've done. They have dropped a neutron bomb on the world economy, and things are going to get much worse. Yeah, I think that's right, Bob, and I think most people aren't really – Fully understanding the repercussions of this economic, uh, this economic damage that's being done, and and of course it's been sort of papered over, like many other things. Uh, the, the government prints money and hands it out to people, and there's a price for that that we'll be talking about uh, in the next segment as well, I'm sure. But um, the the anonymous author of Common Sense 2.0 says, and I quote: "We have entered the biggest crisis in American history." And so I'd like to ask you if, if you agree with that, and if so, why is it the biggest? I mean, we've had some biggies, World War II. I came a couple of years right after that onto this earth, but we, the Civil War was huge, and the Revolutionary War wasn't a picnic either for those that engaged in it. So 
Do you think this is the biggest of all those that we have coming? Do you think potentially it is the biggest disruptor of all? I, I do, absolutely. And I would encourage you to think about the book, The Fourth Turning. Uh, this was actually predicted 30 years ago. But we have some absolutely incredible problems that have been ignored. Do you fully understand the concept of entropy? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it's decay. Well, it's, yeah, uh, time brings decay. Right. If you think about a top, when it slows down, it gets more and more unstable. Right. If you think about a bullet leaving the barrel of a gun, its behavior is very predictable. It leaves the gun, but 300 or 400 or 500 meters downrange, it, it starts becoming more and more unstable. Mm -hmm. Entropy says everything gets worse. So if you don't fix a problem as soon as you can, uh, it's going to grow and grow and grow. Now, as an individual or a family or a corporation, if you have financial issues, you obviously do something about it. The government, on the other hand, does exactly the opposite. Their solution to the stock market crash in, in March, I, I am absolutely amazed. Nobody predicted that. Uh, I, I think it's uh, Harris in California who's saying that Congress should vote a $2,000 a month giveaway to every family in America monthly, permanently. Yeah. And, and nobody's saying where does the money come from. So what we have, we need to get into the book, what mm -hmm. we have is a broken system. We have the opportunity to fix it, <clears throat> and we need to fix it before it gets worse. There are some really strange, dangerous things going on right now, and there is no such thing as the Democrats are all bad guys, and there is no such thing as the Republicans are bad guys. They're all bad guys. It's one snake, two heads. So let's. Let's go into the military-industrial complex. All right. Be All right. Bob, we're going to have to do that after our first commercial break. I would just mention that there is a number of things, that being one of them, a military-industrial complex debt and a whole whole host of things that I want to talk to you and, and have you explain about that's mentioned in the book when we get back after the break. I would mention also that finally in the last segment today, there are some things that can be done to try to overhaul, to try to fix uh, and I guess we have to look at things that we can do individually, Bob, as well as what we can hope and pray that society will do somehow. Uh, and I guess we have to do our part to try to speak the truth as we understand it so that things can get fixed. And, and we have to be courageous sometimes to do that because, Bob, as much as anybody I know, you say things that require courage and perhaps it's those 600 or 800 bombing missions uh, that you flew over Vietnam that uh, shows that you have that courage. But um, anyway, we do have to go to break, and when we come back, I want to get into that military-industrial complex thing and the cost of all of that and, and all the other related issues. So, uh, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Bob Moriarty.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times and Good Times. I'm back here with uh, Bob Moriarty, and uh, we're picking up on uh, this little booklet called Common Sense 2.0, which you can buy uh, at Amazon just for a couple of dollars. It's very cheap. I picked up a copy myself. And uh, I would suggest you do that. Um, you know, I have no idea who the author is, uh, but in reading it, it seems like there's a lot of things in there that are touching on and explaining why. Uh, we're going through some very difficult times. I think just starting to go through some very difficult times, as Bob just suggested. Well, Bob, when we went to break, you talked about the military-industrial complex. I remember when Eisenhower left the White House, when he left the presidency in his farewell address, he talked about he was fearful of the military-industrial complex. And as one, a general who served and, and was a key part in, the, in, the, in World War II, he certainly saw the suffering and the and the heartache and the you know the sorrow that comes from war from killing people. Um, so, uh, you know, the chapter one of Common Sense 2.0 says our military became the enemy. So we're most Americans believe that you know we see these these courageous soldiers that go off to war. There are heartbreaking uh, commercials to try to help these soldiers and their families. That, you know, the men go off and they have their legs blown off or something, or they don't come back at all, and the mother is there with a number of children to take care of. Um, and so, we, you know, we're, the propaganda, or at least the view, is these are very wonderful people. And these are, and I do believe they are. But how could it be that our military has become the enemy, Bob, when, in fact, everything that we are being told is it's our friend. It's here to save us and protect us and make life better for us. Well, uh, what happens is we're lied to constantly. And you got to segment, when I say the military is the enemy, I'm not talking about the guys who are going off to Syria or going out to Lebanon or going off right. to uh, Afghanistan. I, I'm talking about the military-industrial complex. The book, it's fascinating because it's got stuff I never knew. Eisenhower wasn't the only general who was anti-war. Uh, Douglas MacArthur said in 1951 
our country is now geared to an arms economy which was bred in an artificially induced psychosis of war hysteria and nurtured upon an incessant propaganda of fear. Now, for, for the generals to say that, first of all, they understood it and they were trying to warn us. Now, you are the perfect guy to interview me, okay? <laughs> I spent two years in heavy combat. I was not a non-combatant. I was a volunteer. I was in constant combat for about 20 months. I, I flew a record number of missions for any Marine in any war in fixed-wing aircraft. I was mm -hmm. not a pacifist. I was a warrior. I mm -hmm. am still a warrior. I would fight again today, but to defend my country, not to go kill people who have done nothing to us. And that's what we're doing now. So as a practical matter, I don't want to argue against war from a moral point of view. Mm -hmm. You could take one side. Me as an 18-year-old would take the opposite side. But let's look at the practical aspect. The very best reason to be against war is we can't afford it. Every military industrial complex in history, the Romans, the Spanish, the French, the British, the Russians, they collapsed their economies because they spent all the money. Some of the stuff in this book is just absolutely mind-bending. Let me read some stuff to you. Yeah, sure. Uh, the Navy decided they were going to build these new class of destroyers. The destroyers would fire a 155-millimeter projectile up to 60 miles. Now, that is bloody amazing. Yeah, right? 60 miles. The five-inch guns and the eight-inch guns off of destroyers, cruisers, and they had about a 15 or 20-kilometer uh, range. Mm. A gun that can fire for 60 miles, that's unbelievable. There is a slight problem. When they did the planning, they guessed the shells would cost $50,000 a piece. Well, because the military-industrial complex the price went up, the shells were $800,000 a piece. You pull a <laughs> trigger, you just spend a million dollars. They were going to have 32 of these vessels. They ended up building three at a cost of $23 billion. And then they had the USS Gerald Ford, the newest aircraft mm -hmm. carrier. They designed the toilet system on that to be similar to the toilet system on an aircraft. But what they didn't understand, and the contractor didn't bother telling them, is you've got to flush the system with acid on a periodic basis. So every couple of months, they're spending $400,000 just flushing the toilet system. <laughs> the catapult system doesn't work the way it's supposed to. The elevator system for bringing weapons up to the, to the top of the ship so they can load on the aircraft, it doesn't function at all. But that is the worst program. The most expensive procurement program in all of world history 
is the Lockheed Martin F-35. It is a $1.5 trillion fiasco. Now, I, I could talk to you about fighter aircraft, but how much do you know about fighter aircraft? Virtually nothing. I was a fighter pilot. I was an F-4 pilot. When I was 20 years old, I was flying the hottest fighter in the world. So if you want to know something about fighters, I'd be a good guy to talk to. The F-35 is an utter disaster. It can be tracked. As soon as they open their weapons base, they just light up on radar. Mm. It's very short range, which means you've got to move your aircraft carrier closer to the enemy. And the Russians and the Chinese and the Iranians have silkworm missiles that, that can sink an aircraft carrier from something like three or 400 kilometers away. We have, it, it's not even a question of spending money on on weapon system, the weapon systems don't work, and mm -hmm. that's what we get at, at end of empire. The Romans yeah. did the same thing. The British did the same thing. Mm -hmm. So history um, is pretty well documented there, and uh, um, it's so that it doesn't work. But somebody's making a lot of money. Somebody's making a lot of money, Bob, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Selling that uh, that defective uh, material, those defective machines, and so forth. So. Uh, and somebody in Congress is uh, is voting for them and um, is allocating money, a taxpayer money and uh, printing press money for it. Um, exactly. do, do you know what the word shoddy means? I, I think I know what it means. Tell me. It, it's defective. It's not very well put together, not very good. Okay. During the Civil War, somebody made boots for the Union Army, and they were called shoddy boots, uh -huh. and they're shoddy because they fell apart, and that's exactly what we're doing now, but but let's talk about Wesley Clark. Right okay. after 9-11, he, he was briefed, and he was told the United States was going to go to war against seven countries in the next five years. When I read that, when I saw the interview with him, I just went, holy cow, are, are we going to make enemies out of everybody? And, and, you know, quite bluntly, we've been at constant war since 9-11, and every war that we fought, we lost. Mm -hmm. that, that's dumb. If you walk into a bar and start a fight, and you're still fighting 18 years later, you lost. Time to walk out of the bar. <clears throat> Stop being yeah. such a jerk. And, but we don't. Uh, we keep on fighting, and uh, Donald Trump, when he ran for president, suggested he wanted to get, up, get away from that. He wanted to pull out of Iraq and uh, out, of, um, uh, you know, out of other places, um, and yet we're still there. It uh, doesn't seem like, like he wanted to or had the will or, or what. Well, what happened? No. It, here's what happened, and, and that is truly terrifying. He's being attacked by the military-industrial complex, by the Department of Justice, by the FBI, by the CIA, by the NSA, by CNN, because he said we need to stop fighting wars. They've been attacking him since well before the election, 
And and this is an ongoing coup d'etat. I I watch CNN on my computer, and I go, my God, I mean, how can these people be so anti-American? Now, I am not a Trump fan. I think the man's a blithering idiot. But so was George Bush. You know, we've had lots of blithering idiots. We could survive that. We cannot survive treason from within and that's exactly what we have now. Now, all of the things in the book, there are some important things about debt and about student debt and about the medical system and about the banking system. But the most dangerous to freedom in America is the military-industrial complex. And we either turn into a total police state or we make the changes that we need to make now yeah we'll talk about those changes um what, i just wondered uh, if the military is supposed to keep us safe ron paul was suggesting that it was making us less safe okay. uh, you might you might remember when ron paul suggested he was almost booed off the stage when he was one of the uh, republican candidates for president ron suggested that in 9-11 and he and he picked this up from a cia uh, report somebody in the cia reported that the reason they came over here is because we're over there. Yeah. And of course, that was heresy to most people, and the Republicans basically booed him off the stage. They didn't boo him, boo him off the stage, but they would have liked to have. Um, and he said, well, you know, I sort of think maybe uh, we should do unto others as we would have them do to us, kind of the golden rule. And they just hissed and booed. <laughs> they booed him off. It, really, it was just, I remember Giuliani and the others, they just really... Uh, and so, I, you know, I think all those people believe that Ron was totally wrong. I mean, that, that just doesn't, that just isn't true. And, but it seems so logical, Bob. Well, it seems so logical if the Chinese were in the Gulf of Mexico and running uh, bombing missions over us, I don't know if we would like that too much. Uh, of course. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you know what Ron Paul's military background is? Yeah, he was a physician, um, I think, in the, in, the, in the Navy or the Air Force. I can't remember. He was a flight surgeon with a five-year outfit. Uh, I, I met him in Arizona a few years ago. We sat down and talked for about an hour because he would have been a flight surgeon at exactly the same time I was fighter pilot. And the <laughs> thing is, he, he was an obstetrician. Okay, yes. and, and you don't have many pregnant people in fighter squadrons. Now you do, but you didn't. Yeah, now, and now you might. Yeah. Uh, so, so you would you would agree with that? That that the reason they came over here, at least one of the reasons they might have come over here and bombed us on 9/11, was because we were constantly bombing people over there. hundred percent. I mean, here's here's what's crazy. You cannot do what we have been doing to the rest of the world for essentially 70 years uh, and have people not notice. We have been at war with Muslims. Now, I, I, I'm not religious. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Catholic. I'm not Buddhist. I'm not Methodist. I'm not Muslim. But uh, certainly I see why they believe that we're at war with the religion. And I think that's a, a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's that's probably right. Um, that when you start fighting wars for religion, it's uh, the outcome usually isn't very good. Um, so, I, I, Bob, in terms of the expenditures, do you have any idea what we spend for the military, and how big a, a part of it is our budget? And are there parts of the military, perhaps, that we're not even told about money that gets spent? Because who 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 really keeps track of what the government's yeah. doing? Strange. Well, the military industrial complex does. Okay, we yeah. don't have any idea. There is so much uh, misinformation and bad information. There are people who supposedly show that we've got twenty trillion dollars uh, in in debt uh, on military spending. It it doesn't make any difference. Okay, the United States is bankrupt. Okay, we're not maybe bankrupt. We're absolutely bankrupt, and we have to do something about that. Uh, the the easy and best solution is to do something about the military-industrial complex. But the very first thing that we have to do is to educate voters, to educate the citizens so they understand. I mean, mm-hmm. I read this book. I just went, holy cow, this guy has really got an understanding of a lot of this stuff, and this is a book everybody should read. You don't have to agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's put up with many years of propaganda, and there's stuff in there that I don't particularly agree with. However, it does make you think we need to discuss this, and, and I cannot be more adamant. We're bankrupt. We're going to go into hyperinflation. The banks are going to close. Now, nobody in the mainstream media is going to say that. And even most of the people in the alternative media are not going to say that because they self-censor. Well, I don't want to say that because people will think I'm crazy. Guys, you can add and subtract. You can realize that the world cannot pay $258 trillion in debt. There is not enough money in the world. Therefore, we need to do something about it. Okay? Well, now, I think they don't understand economics well enough, Bob. So you were mentioning Kamala Harris suggesting 2000 a month to every family or every person. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. She doesn't think about what it costs. They have, because of our situation, owning the world's reserve currency, uh, we've been able to get away with this for a long time. And uh, and it seems as though we can just that money does grow on trees, or that it grows uh, from digits, right? So yeah, but, this is the education that I think. But but Bob, don't you think that we're going to have an education, a very ruthless education, very soon? Because as you point out, the math just doesn't work. Soon, it's not soon, Jay. It's been going on for months and years yeah. in and California. I, I think the figure it's a thousand dollars. You can walk into a store and if you steal something that's less than a thousand dollars, they don't even call the cops. Right. Okay. The cops aren't gonna come. That is Harris and that's what she has created. If you walk down the streets of San Francisco and San Francisco used to be the most magnificent city in the United States you find nothing but drug addicts and shit on the streets. Now, that's what we've turned into. I'm not saying it's going to happen. 
I'm saying it's already happening. It's already here. Yeah. You know, look yeah. at Portland. Look at Seattle. Look at BLM. Do you think things are going to get better? They're not going to get better. They're going to get worse. Yeah. We need to educate ourselves. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to come up with some real solutions. We need some real leaders, quite bluntly. When I, I, I look at Biden and I look at Trump and think, my God, who on earth concluded these two represent the best and the brightest in the United yeah. States? I'm sorry they don't represent me. All right, Bob, we're going to have to leave it go at that. And when we come back, a couple more issues besides the military-industrial complex I want to touch on and then uh, start to talk a little bit about what some of the solutions or what some of the changes need uh, need to be in order to put things back in order. So we'll be right back after the break, folks, so don't go away with, uh, with Bob Moriarty. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQX, is a gold exploration company focused on their 23-kilometer flagship Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having recently made multiple high-grade gold discoveries, GBR is fully funded to complete a very active 200,000-meter drill program through to the year 2021. Stay up to date on what's been considered one of the best-performing exploration stocks in the last two years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm back here with Bob Moriarty uh, to talk about Common Sense 2.0, a little pamphlet, a little booklet you can pick up at Amazon.com. And as Bob says, you don't have to agree with everything, but it certainly is thought-provoking. And it sure would be good if we could start talking about uh, things that are uncomfortable. If we could do it and do it respectfully with each other, that's certainly what we try to do on this show as much as possible. Bob, when we left... We were talking about the, the military-industrial complex. We, we talked quite a bit about that. There's a lot of other things that this book touches on, too, a lot of uh, parts of our lives that are really disruptive and very, very problematic. Uh, debt is the big issue, and I would argue, and I think you would agree, and I think this book would agree, that uh, 1971, August 15th, was a very, very destructive date in terms of President Nixon's taking us off the gold standard, because that really freed us up. Uh, it allowed us to create money to finance Vietnam and subsequent wars, but not only that, to finance the socialist state as well. That's why Kamala Harris thinks there's no end. And you don't, as you say, nobody's talking about what any of this is going to cost. 
but you have some pretty strong feelings about some of these issues, and let's, I'd like you to address them. Uh, student debt is one you think could be fixed fairly easily. Well, it's over a trillion dollars, Bob. Well, but of course, but of course, yeah. our Fed just created a trillion. Didn't they create two trillion just recently? The Fed did. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, uh, here's the deal on, on student debt, and it's very important to understand. First of all, um, everybody who, who's going to be a responsible adult should understand that debt is slavery. When you go borrow money, you are spending your future, and whoever you owe the money to literally owns you. Now, what happened about 20 years ago was uh, Congress decided that they were going to have these unlimited programs for loaning money to students in college. And that, that sounds wonderful, but they made the debt non-dischargeable, which means that if you go out and borrow 50000 or $100,000 to study underwater basket weaving, and then eventually discover you can't make a living at it, and you go bankrupt, you still owe the money. Now, what that did is gave the banks, okay, free profit, and it gave the colleges the incentive to raise uh, tuition. So tuition has gone up three times the rate of inflation, and the banks are guaranteed to make money because the debt cannot be discharged. The, the, the solution to that is so simple it's crazy, and that is make the debt dischargeable. If the banks are going to loan money and make a profit, they should take risk. They're right. not going to loan somebody $100,000 to study underwater basket weaving. And what we're doing is taking our best and brightest kids, and we're putting chains on them, I mean, BLM is, is pissing and moaning about slavery. The last <laughs> slave was imported into the United States in 1816, okay? Slavery was ended in the United States in theory in 1864, even though it's changed a lot since then. But people are going into slavery today just like they are in Tripoli, Libya. If you were in debt, Thirty or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars as as a graduate, you're a slave. We're doing this to the best and brightest kids we've got. So instead of them starting off uh, life with no particular debt, they're starting off with an average thirty-two thousand dollars a piece in debt. To pay off $32,000, you got to earn about $50,000. There are people in their 60s and 70s who are still paying off student debt. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a racket. And it's a good example of when government gets involved um, with the banking institution to, um, you know, I, I, I seem to remember uh, Hillary Clinton supporting that legislation that you were talking about. But it's a good example of government getting involved with, uh, with the banks, uh, you know, and probably the banks that help these guys get reelected, and, um, and the people aren't aware of it. So, you think? Uh, yeah. You think they just bribe Congress? Of course, <laughs> they bribe Congress. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what seems to be going on. There've been people complaining about it, but nothing, uh, nothing seems to get done by about that. Um, 
you talk on oh, the book also talks about derivatives um, as a giant casino. I mean, this is really something that people have no idea about how this could really trigger things uh, to the downside, right? Uh, un- unfortunately, derivatives are one of those things that very few people understand. But uh, at the very least, you should understand that the 600 or so trillion dollars in derivatives is a giant casino. And one of the things that happens in casinos is sometimes they go broke. We have so many elements of our financial system that are in chaos right now. Uh, I'm just black and Italian. You can come back in a year or two and remind me it's going to be far worse than anybody imagines. You cannot shut down the international economy for three or four months without destroying that economy. Uh, We have 53 million Americans apply for unemployment. Many of those Americans are never going to get their jobs back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that leads to what? What's the government going to do? They're voters, right? So they're going to be voting and they're going to be looking for... Uh, I mean, I think they have another $1.6 trillion bill or something that's uh, between the Congress and the President right now. Nancy Pelosi and the Treasury they're Secretary voting. are working on it. They're voting so, right now. They're yeah. voting in Portland. They're voting in Seattle. They're voting in 400 cities in the United States. They're yeah. rioting. It's going to get worse. And, and there's a simple solution uh, that that would cure the mistake that that Nixon made in 1971. Yeah, it would be, but it but it's not going to happen, in my view, Bob, until the system breaks down, and then maybe there's a hope. Uh, yeah, I mean, here, here, I mean, hey, it's, Jack, it yeah. has broken down. It's well, not I realize that, but I, I I realize that, Bob, but most yeah. people don't realize that yet. I think most people still think uh, are believing in the tooth fairy. I mean, uh, if you yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I agree with you that it's broken down, and I think we're starting to see the movement in the uh, in the precious metals prices. But it's only because a relatively few number of people yet understand that and believe it, and are voting on it with their pocketbooks, that we haven't seen a, an exponential rise in the price of the metals, which I think is coming. And Alistair McLeod, who's going to be our guest next week, uh, has written a paper, a short one that people can uh, actually read at uh, J Taylor Media. Inflation this time is different. Alistair is agreeing with you, I believe, in suggesting that the amount of money that's going to have to be printed to try to placate, to try to to pacify the masses that are going that are really angry and and in trouble in many ways, uh, is going to just debase the currency uh, to the point where it becomes worthless. I'm afraid. Do you agree with that? One hundred percent. And interestingly enough. Bear in mind, we're we're in July. Uh, He says it's going to happen by the end of this year. And and I I wouldn't go out and predict that, but I certainly won't disagree with that. We're we're going, well, we're seeing things today that are really quite remarkable. Silver going up $1.36. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, it's an amazing run. And I think, uh, you know, 6-7% today in one day is, is... is quite something. Um, also, the medical system, Bob, you have some ideas about that, and the book talks about that as well. 
we have a medical system that nobody knows what they're paying for. Nobody really understands if you have surgery how much it's how much it's actually costing. They seem to fool around with the numbers. I think it's something like the you know the retail like a Macy's might decide to um, you know put a hundred and twenty dollar uh, price tag on a shirt and then charge you fifty nine and you think you're getting quite a deal when it should have been nineteen dollars or nine dollars or something like that. So, uh, what are your thoughts about the about the medical system and how that might be uh, put in better order? Well, it it is totally dysfunctional. It's all fraud. They have bribed Congress. Let me give you a perfect example. I'm 73. I'm your age. I yep. have high blood pressure, and I take medication for it. Mm-hmm. I can go to Spain and buy my blood pressure medication over-the-counter for 1.25 euros a month, okay? Uh It cost me, call it two bucks a month. The same pills in the United States are $105. Now, the numbers in the book are really terrifying. Uh, Medical problems are a factor in 69% of bankruptcies, okay? People have gone into the emergency room with a bad hangover. They walked out of the emergency room a few hours later with a bill for $15,000, and they've lost their home because of it. And, And you just raised one of the issues, and it's so simple. You need to do two things. One, every pharmaceutical company in the United States should be required by U.S. law to provide their medicines in the United States for sale at the lowest price anywhere in the world. If you want to do business in the United States, that's fine. We hope you make a lot of money. You charge the lowest price in the entire world. You cannot charge the snake bite medicine is $15,000 in Arizona and it's $500 across the border in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The medical system is bankrupting people. It's not a question of the quality of care. It's destroying their life. So, one, make all medicine the lowest price in the world. Two, all medical services are priced in advance, they're written down, and you know exactly what it costs to get an appendix out, to get whatever, okay? People go into the hospital and they don't find out until they're checking out what it costs them. That's insane. And you need to enforce the antitrust laws. Uh, the antitrust laws between the hospitals and the doctors and the medical service people and the pharmaceutical companies, it's all illegal. It's collusion. And, and we have the most expensive medical system in the world. And I think we're 17th or 19th or something like that. Medical system in the United States is an utter disaster. You can be against socialized medicine. They have socialized medicine in England. They have socialized medicine in Canada. They have socialized medicine in France. But they don't bankrupt people by mm-hmm. like, them to the hospital. 
Now, I'm not saying single payer is the solution, but we need a solution that's better than what we've got right now. The medical system in the United States is total fraud. Right. So uh, it, it seems to be the case. So while we're on the topic of medicine, with which is a few minutes left here, what about uh, the COVID-19 thing? I mean, we were in trouble financially before that was inflicted on us, before that was imposed. Uh, what? I mean, that is really, would you say that's accelerating this, this demise? That it was coming anyway, but that this uh, is just, this is yeah. just really accelerated it by a year, six months or whatever. Uh, everything we are being told about COVID-19, everything, is a lie. The masks cannot possibly prevent the virus from, from coming to your face, period, Okay. The New, New England Journal of Medicine said that. CDC said that. The NIH said that. There's no question about it. The old mask thing, it's nonsense. Uh, the numbers are inflated for both testing and for the number of deaths. And what we've done is we've thrown this massive hand grenade in our financial system mm-hmm. and Nobody realizes how bad it is. They're going to soon. Uh, do you know what the difference is between inflation and hyperinflation? It's just timing, pretty much. No. Nope. I mean, it's just all of a sudden psychology. Nope. nope. Right, go ahead. Japan has inflation, okay? They've been inflating their currency since 1989. Yeah. They didn't have hyperinflation. Hyperinflation is when people lose faith in the currency. And right. Alistair McLeod, I think, is absolutely correct. And it's a lot sooner than people realize. Gold mining stocks, silver mining stocks are going to explode higher. If you think today is an anomaly, I'm going to tell you it's not. There will be days when gold's up 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Uh, I own one particular stock that came up with good results yesterday. Stock was up 102% one day. That is just a start. Uh, world, worldwide, uh, half a percent of all financial investments are in resources. In 1929, it was 29%. In 1980, it was 8%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, and 1980, you and I can both relate to that, Bob, and uh, that was uh, that was quite a time, no doubt about it. And uh, we saw, I think, you know, rising inflation, lots of inflation. It is a matter of psychology, and you know, it's when that psychology turns. Uh, you, if you look at charts of hyperinflation, and usually you have some inflation, uh, you know, a mild amount of inflation for some quite some time, and people aren't worried about it. Just like now, they're not worried about it, and then all of a sudden. When people, that psychology changes and people lose their faith in the currency, as you were saying, then all of a sudden people want to get rid of that currency and get things that are real because they realize that tomorrow that money is going to buy less. And when that, when that happens, when that psychology goes on, I think, and you think we're very close to there, being there, right, Bob? Yeah, so, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we are basically out of time here, Bob. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on Common Sense 2.0. Always good to hear your views on these things, and uh, certainly want to talk to you about some of those stocks uh, that you and I both follow. 
um, and as I know, people should go to 321 Gold. Go to 321 Gold. Bob has a lot of very interesting and profitable ideas there. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's one of those places I go to, Bob, when I look at the gold price, I go to 321 Gold every morning and look at the articles, some of which you write, uh, but you always have a lot of excellent information there and a lot of very interesting and promising companies, some of which are sponsors to this show. Thank you so much, Bob, for being with us, and uh, we'll look to do it again sometime in the near future. Well, that is all the time we have this week, folks. As I said, Alistair McLeod will be with us, as will Quentin Henning, somebody that Bob Moriarty knows very well. Uh, he'll be here to talk about noble resources next week. Until then, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Benchmark Metals is a gold-silver exploration company that is embarking on its largest program to date on the Lawyers Project with up to 50,000 meters of resource expansion and definition drilling planned in 2020. The multi-million ounce potential project is expected to have a new mineral resource estimate and PEA study completed in 2021. The company is backed by the Metals Group management team and believes this aggressive program will be complemented by one of the strongest commodity bull markets in decades. Visit BenchmarkMetals.com and subscribe to follow their success.